ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم اما بعد we continue with the explanation of the 40 hadith of al-imam an-nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'a in the last class we arrive to al-hadith al-ashar the 10th hadith عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله تعالى طيب ولا يقبل إلا طيب إن الله تعالى طيب ولا يقبل إلا طيبا وإن الله أمر المؤمنين بما أمر به المرسلين فقال الله تعالى يا أيها الرسل قلوا من الطيبات وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا قُلُوا مِنْ طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ ثُمَّ ذَكَرَ رَجُلًا يُطِيلُ السَّفَرَ أَشْأَثَ أَغْبَرَ يُمُدُّ يَدَيْهِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ يَا رَبْ يَا رَبْ وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامٌ وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامِ فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابُ لِذَلِكَ Muslim. So this tenth narration is on the authority of Abi Hurairah an, and he mentioned that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam stated, "Indeed, Allah is good, and He only accepts that which is good. And indeed, Allah commanded." the believers with that which he commanded the messengers with. Allah Ta'ala, he states, O you messengers, or O messengers, eat from the good and do that which is righteous. Allah Ta'ala, he states, O you who believe, eat from the good from that which we provided you with. And then he mentions the man who was on a long journey, whose hair is disheveled, and he has the appearance of being destitute and he raises his hands up to the heavens and he says oh my lord oh my lord however his food is haram his drink is haram his clothing is haram he is nourished with the haram therefore how can he be answered for that and this narration is in the Sahih of Al-Imam Muslim Rahimahullah. We covered that At-Tayyib is from the Asma Al-Husna, the beautiful names of Allah Azza wa Jal. As Al-Asma Al-Husna was Sifat Al-Uliya, the principle was that we name Allah and describe Allah with that which Allah Azza wa Jal has described Himself with and named Himself with. And we name Allah and describe Allah with that which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam named Allah and described Allah with. 
and we negate from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all characteristics of deficiency Allah Azza wa Jal is free from all faults as Allah Azza wa Jal is perfect and complete and from the completion of Allah's names and attributes Allah is At-Tayyib Allah is good so At-Tayyib is from the Asma of Allah Azza wa Jal and what is intended by At-Tayyib Al-Tahir Al-Munazzah the one who is pure the one who is free from deficiencies and faults and being that Allah Azza wa Jal is tayyib la yakbalu illa tayyiba Allah only accepts that which is good and we covered that this is not restricted to sadaqah this is in all affairs if the matter is evil, Allah doesn't accept it. And what is good? The good is that which is done for the sake of Allah. And it is done in accordance to what Allah has legislated. This is the good. And we gave the example where Allah, where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, Inna Allah that indeed Allah He does not accept prayer without purification and He doesn't accept sadaqah that was given from the spoils of war that have been stolen. So the shahid from the narration Allah doesn't accept a prayer without purification. So if a person was to intentionally pray without purification, the prayer is rejected because it's not good. Because a part of the prayer being good, one must have purification. One must have or be in a state of tahara. So now if a person has the ability to pray in a state of purification and he intentionally does not pray in the state of purification, then Allah Azza wa Jal he does not accept from the individual his prayer. And likewise, the one who steals from the spoils before they are divided. And then later on he gives sadaqah from that wealth he stole. That's not tayyib. That's not good because it's stolen wealth. So Allah Azza wa Jal, he only accepts that which is good. So these are examples to show that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is good and he only accepts that which is good. And this is in the matter of the ibadah, whether it is ibadah that is connected to your wealth or ibadah that is connected to your speech or your actions or the ibadah that is connected to the heart. For these are the different categories of ibadah. Al-ibadah, al-badaniyya, al-ibadah, al-qawliyya, al-ibadah, al-qalbiyya, al-ibadah, al-maliyya. These are different categories of ibadah. All of them have to be done for the sake of Allah and they have to be in accordance with the legislation of Allah. If one of the two matters is missing, then Allah doesn't accept it. Another point we covered that there are levels or different categories as it relates to the acceptance of actions when it comes to 
the text of something being accepted. From them is Qubul al-amal ma'rida wal madh fa'ilihi. Qubul al-amal ma'rida wa madh fa'ilihi wa thana'u alayhi bayna al-mala'ika wal mubaha bihi. The first category or level of acceptance is that Allah, He accepts the action from the servant. And at the same time, Allah is pleased with the servant. Allah accepts the action of the servant, and Allah is pleased with the servant, and Allah, He praises the servant for what He has done. And He mentions the servant amongst the angels. And brags about the servant. This is a, a sign or this is an indication Allah has accepted from the servant. And this is really the highest level of acceptance. That Allah accepts your actions and then Allah Azawajal, He praises you for what you have done of good. And Allah Azawajal mentions you amongst the malaika. Then you have a level or a category of acceptance which is intended. Husul al-thawab wal that the person has attained the reward and he has been compensated for the good he has done. And then you have the other category, or the last category, Sukut al Fard. Sukut al Fard bihi min al that the person has performed the act and the responsibility is removed from him. But it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get a reward. And we cover the example of the person who gets intoxicated. That his salah is not accepted for 40 days. A person who drinks khamr, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, مَنْ شَرِبَ خَمْرَ لَمْ تُقْبَلْ لَهُ الصَّلَاءَ أَرْبَعِينَ يَوْمًا أو كَمَّا قَالَ صَلَى that whoever consumes intoxicants, and this is whether it is wine or beer or marijuana, any type of intoxicants, because the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, Kullu muskirin khamrun wa kullu khamr haram. Everything that intoxicates you is khamr. Some people think khamr is only like uh, drinking alcohol or drinking wine. The Prophet Sallallahu said, Kullu muskirin khamrun. Everything that intoxicates you is khamr. Wa kullu khamrin haram. And all khamr is haram. So the Prophet Sallallahu he mentioned, whoever consumes khamr, whoever consumes an intoxicant, his salah is not accepted for 40 days. But the person, he still has to pray. So now when a person prays, is his salat accepted or not? Huh? It's accepted from the angle that he performed the obligation, but it's not accepted from the angle that he gets a reward for it. What's intended, his salat is not accepted for 40 days, meaning he doesn't get a reward for his salat for 40 days. But he still has to pray. If he doesn't pray, he gets a sin for not praying. A person can't say, okay, I, I consumed intoxicants, so I'm not going to pray for 40 days because my prayer is not accepted. No, you have to pray still. But Allah doesn't reward the person for the prayer. But as for the obligation of praying, yes, it's removed from him.
So the acceptance is from that angle, that the obligation is removed from him, but he's not rewarded. Or likewise, the hadith, Man ata kahinan, fasa'alahu an shay, lam tukbalahu salat arba'ina yawman, o kama qala sallallahu And whoever goes to a soothsayer, like a fortune teller, or a, a palm reader, or people who deal with the cards, the tarot cards and stuff like that, whoever goes to one of them, and ask them about anything, the person's prayer is not accepted for 40 days. So it's not allowed to go to the fortune tellers or the palm readers or the card readers and ask them about anything. If you do, the salat is not accepted for 40 days. But he still has to pray. So now when he prays, the obligation of making the prayer is removed, but there's no reward for the prayer. So that which is evil, that which is haram, that which is filthy, Allah Azza wa Jal, He does not accept it. And this goes also for people who earn haram money. It is not allowed for people to earn haram money. Meaning by having an occupation that's haram and then you attain money or wealth from that occupation that is haram. Or selling that which is haram, like selling khamar, or selling pork, or selling laro. The money from these items is haram. It's haram. Likewise, one should not give sadaqah with the haram money, because Allah doesn't accept it. Because the money is dirty, it's not clean. Don't think that a person can earn haram money and then bring it to the masjid and that's going to clean the money. He's not going to clean the money. Allah is not going to accept it. Because the money is dirty. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's tayyib and he only accepts that which is tayyib. <coughs> and likewise, a person, a person should stay away from eating haram, wearing that which is haram, anything that is haram, stay away from it. For Allah Azza wa Jal, He does not accept from that which is evil. We covered in Allah Amr al Mu'minin bima Amr Abihi al that Allah commanded the believers with that which He commanded the messengers with. And that is related to the statement of Allah Ya ayyuhar Rusul, kulu min al tayyibat wa amalu saliha. O messengers, eat from that which is good and do that which is righteous. And then the other verse, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, kulu min tayyibati ma razaqunakum. O you who believe, eat from the good, from that which we provided you with. So both messengers and the believers have been commanded by Allah to eat from that which is tayyib. So this is the similarity here. Or this is the example of how Allah Azza wa Jal commands the believers with that which He commanded the messengers with. And the principle, as it relates to us in Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, everything that Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has been commanded with is a commandment for us, unless there is a text to show that this is from the khasais. 
This is from the special matters that's for the Prophet Muhammad alone. Other than that, whatever is for the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, it's for us. And the proof of that is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا That indeed you have in the Messenger of Allah a beautiful example. And this is for the one who hopes with the meeting with Allah on the last day, and he remembers Allah much. So Allah Azza wa Jal described Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as being a beautiful example for us. So that means we follow him in whatever he does. Unless it is a matter that's specifically for him. Other than that, then the general rule, the commandments for Prophet Muhammad وسلم, are commandments for the believers. Another point, the origin as it relates to the worldly affairs is ibaha, permissibility. The origin as it relates to the worldly affairs is permissibility. So, as an example, clothing is from the worldly affairs. All clothing is halal until there is a text saying it is haram. Like as an example, the prohibition of wearing gold and silk for men. Because there is a text. Other than that, gold and silk is permissible. But the Prophet ﷺ came out with gold in one hand and silk in the other hand and said these two matters are allowed for the women of this ummah, but prohibited for the men of this ummah. And it's for them in the hereafter, but for the disbelieving men in this world. So now we know that it's not allowed for a man to wear gold and silk. But other than that, from the different fabrics and clothing, it's allowed. It's allowed. Another point as it relates to like drinks and eating. The origin is that the food, food is halal until the text comes and says we cannot eat this, we cannot drink this. And we have in the text regarding the foods that are prohibited for us to eat from swine or eating that which Allah name was not mentioned upon in the time of slaughtering or eating animals that have been like choked to death or uh, they have fallen to their death and other than that or eating animals that have talons like, like hawks and eagles and stuff like that there's a text for these affairs or drinking khamar or, or, or anything that will intoxicate you even if it's in a small quantity because the Prophet وسلم, said whatever intoxicates you in a large quantity then it is haram in small quantity so the, 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 the point is that the origin of the worldly affairs is permissibility until there's a text that comes and says you can't eat, you can't drink, you can't wear. But now when it comes to ibadah, it's the opposite. When it comes to the religious affairs, it's the opposite. Everything is haram as it relates to religious practice until you have a proof saying you can do this. So nobody can do a prayer 
or uh, do any type of act of worship until the person has a text that allows or commands or recommends with doing that act. And that principle, it closes the door for the matters of innovation entering into the religion and then change the religion in totality. Because if the door is open for everyone to worship the way they want to worship, then what will happen sooner or later, we will lose the original religion. And this has happened to the nations before us. They have lost their religion due to people adding and adding and adding and adding to the original message that was sent to the messenger is lost. Or the majority of it is lost. So alhamdulillah, as it relates to this ummah, Innovation is prohibited in the deen. No one is allowed to add anything to the religion of worship, whether it's speech, actions, or belief. As the religion is complete and perfect. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ رَدْ Whoever adds something to this affair or introduces something into this affair of ours that's not from it is rejected. Perhaps a person says, well, I didn't innovate this. I'm only practicing it. This is what I was taught. Then we have the other wording, man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna arad. That whoever does something, so we have the one who innovates and then the one who practices the innovation. Whoever does something that does not have our affair over it, it is rejected. We come to the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ثُمَّ ذَكَرَ رَجُلَ يُطِيرُ السَّفَرَ أَشْعَثَ أَكْبَرَ يُمُضُّ يَدَيْهِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ يَا رَبِّ يَا رَبِّ وَمَتْعَمُهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامٌ وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامٌ فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابُ لَهُ And then he mentioned the man who's on a long journey and his hair is disheveled and he has the appearance of being destitute and he raises his hands up to the heavens and he calls out, Oh my Lord, oh my Lord. However, his food is haram, his drink is haram, his clothing is haram. He is nourished by the haram, so how can he be answered for that? Here, the Prophet ﷺ mentions this to show that Whatever is not tayyib, Allah doesn't accept. So this individual, he's in a position, in a state to have his dua answered. He's on a long journey. His hair is disheveled. He has the appearance of being poor. And he raises his hands to... The heavens, and he says, oh my Lord, oh my Lord. So how many things we have here? No, traveling, hair disheveled, poor appearance, hands raised to the heavens, and then he calls upon Allah by his Lordship. My Lord, my Lord. Five matters. Five things here we have. And normally, one of these things is enough to have a person's dua answered. But he has five together. But look what the Prophet says, وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامُ وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامُ وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامُ وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامُ فَأَنَّ يُسْتَجَابُ لِذَلِكُ أو لَهُ لِذَلِكُ 
food is haram, his drink is haram, his clothing is haram, he's nourished by the haram. So how can he be answered when, meaning, how can he expect to be answered or have his dua answered, even though he has five things in his favor, how can he expect to be answered when these matters are haram and he's nourished from the haram? The Prophet ﷺ, from what he is describing here, is an indication that the person did not make tawbah. As for the one who makes tawbah, then Allah accepts the tawbah. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَقْبَلُ تَوْبَةَ الْعَبْدِ مَا لَمْ That Allah accepts the repentance of the servant as long as he has not started that gargle of death. Meaning as long as the angel of, of death is not taking his soul out of his body, the tawbah is accepted. Or until the sun rises from the west. If any of these two things happen to a person, the door of tawbah is closed. If you are alive when the sun rises from the west, that's it. There's no more tawbah after that if you didn't make tawbah before. Or at the time of your death, if you didn't make tawbah and you go to make tawbah when the angels is taking your soul out, there's no more tawbah. The door is closed. So, but if a person makes repentance before the time of repentance is over and he fulfills the conditions of tawbah, because tawbah has conditions, then Allah will accept the tawbah quickly from the conditions of tawbah. Islam, person has to be a Muslim, right? Number two, ikhlas, person has to have sincerity. Number three, a tawbah qabal hulul al-waqt. The person has to make tawbah before the time elapses, before the time is over, and, and we've mentioned the two. Number, uh, number four, a nadim, person has to have regret. Number five, al-i'tiraf. The person has to acknowledge that what he's done is wrong. Number six, al-iqla'anidham. The person has to stop doing the sin. Number seven, al-azm ala-adim al-ruju'iladham. The person has to have the firm resolve he's not going to do the sin again. And number eight, and this is if he did something wrong to someone, at-tahallul min al-madhalim. That he must rectify the wrong he has done. With the person he has done wrong to. So these are eight conditions of Tawbah. If the person fulfills the conditions of Tawbah, then this doesn't apply to him. Because he already made Tawbah from eating haram and drinking haram and wearing haram and being nourished by the haram. But however, if he is consistent, these are things that can cause his dua not to be answered. Question. The Prophet said, and then he mentioned the man. So does this mean that this only applies for men and not women? Or does it apply to women also? Huh? It applies to women. So why the mentioning of the man? Uh, in the text, at times, you have the mentioning of that which is galib, or that which is, the, which is mostly the case. So just because the man is mentioned here, it doesn't mean it excludes women. 
Because we have the narration of the Prophet rijal That the women are the twin halves of men. This means whatever goes for the men, it goes for the woman. Except in what case? Except in what case? Huh? Except in what case? We need something more general than that. No, in a case when the text says that something is specifically for the woman and not the men, or something is specifically for the men excluding the woman. Well, you don't have no breast to feed a child with. <laughs> so for sure, breastfeeding is a matter that is specifically uh, for the woman in the room. However, the rules, there are rules that both men and women share in as it relates to breastfeeding because that's your milk. The milk of the, that's the milk of the husband in the breast of the woman. So when a woman breastfeeds a child with five uh, feedings, meaning when the child becomes full off of, feed, off of the feedings, that child becomes their child from breastfeeding. He's the father of the child and she's the mother of the child. So they share in that rule. Baz an example, not praying when the woman has her monthly cycle and not fasting. Men do not have a monthly cycle. So that's a ruling that's specific for the woman. The men are excluded from that. And at times, you'll find the text mentioning the woman, but it also includes the men. Like the hadith, Ya Nisa al-Muslimat, La tahqiranna jaratun li jaratiha walau firusina shat. O woman of the Muslims, or O Muslim woman, let not a female neighbor hold her neighbor in content or look down upon her female neighbor even if it is like a, uh, a roasted hoof that is given meaning that if a woman goes to her female neighbor and give her a roasted hoof as a gift don't look down upon that gift is that something specifically for the woman, but it, or does it include the men? The, okay, the Prophet Wasallam said, O Muslim woman, let not a female neighbor look down upon her female neighbor, even if it is a roasted hoof. So now, if a man, a Muslim man, his Muslim male neighbor comes to him with a roasted hoof. Can he look down upon it? And say, well, the Prophet was talking to the woman, not the men. Huh? So although the woman have been mentioned here, it includes the men, right? But this, the women are mentioned here, not because it only applies to them, but this is more so something that takes place with the woman. The how the, the relationship between women are when they look down upon one another. As we would say, they being catty, right? So the Prophet addressed them. 
But it also applies to the, the Muslim man. The Muslim man is not to look down upon any gift that is given to him by his Muslim neighbor. But again, the women are mentioned here specifically because of that which is mostly the case. And mostly, who are in the house? The women. Where are the men? Work. They're supposed to be working. Right. <laughs> in this age of time, you have some, the men in the house and the women. The opposite. The women are out working for the men. No, this is not Islam. I mean, unless there's a special circumstance, but the origin, the norm, the men are the protectors and the maintainers of the women, right? Not that the women are the protectors and the maintainers of the men. But in most cases, the women are the ones in the home. So throughout the day, they are interacting with the other women who are their neighbors, who are in their homes. So we see all Muslim women. So the mentioning of the man here, this is just given an example because who travels more, men or women? Men. So you see how the man is mentioned. So this is how you find the text. So again, the origin, what goes for the men, goes for the woman. Unless there is a text to establish that the matter is specifically for the men excluding the woman or specifically for the woman excluding the men. So the Prophet وسلم, he mentions the man who's on a long journey and his hair is disheveled. He has the appearance of being poor and he raises his hands up to the heavens and he says, Ya Rab, Ya Rab. So again, we have five matters mentioned here. Traveling, disheveled hair, poor appearance, hands raised up to the heavens, and then the person saying, my Lord, my Lord. As for traveling, the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, ثلاث دعوات مستجابات لا شك فيهن the Prophet ﷺ, he said there are three du'as that will be answered and there's no doubt regarding them. The du'a of the parent, meaning for the child. The du'a of the parent for the child will be answered. There's no doubt about that. Al-Walid Al-Walid Even though that's used for the father But it includes the mother Right Even though it's, this is the male Al-Walid and Al-Walida But it's mentioned the father But it includes the mother It's not just only the father's dua Is answered But no the mother's dua is also answered Now So that al walid The dua of the parent is answered. Wada'watul musafir and the dua of the traveler is answered. When you're traveling, this is one of the times that the dua is answered. And what's intended by traveling here, the, the travel in which you shorten your prayer and you can combine your prayer. 
that traveling. When you leave your city and you're on like a journey, that type of traveling. And then you have the last mentioned, Da'watul Madloom, the dua of the oppressed person. We have to be careful. Because the du if we oppress someone and they make dua against us, Allah will answer them. And the Prophet وسلم, he said to Mu'adh ibn Jabal when he sent them to Yemen to call the people to Islam, he said, be aware of this, beware of the supplication of the oppressed person. Because there is no barrier between it and between Allah. One narration mentions that the dua of the oppressed person is answered even if the oppressed person is a criminal or a disbeliever. So we have to be very careful not to oppress anyone, whether the person is a Muslim or whether the person is not a Muslim. Because if they call upon Allah against the one who was oppressing them, Allah will answer them. Also we have the matter of the person being disheveled, his hair is like a mess. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he mentioned Rubba Ash'ath Matfu' Bil Abwab Law Aqsama Alallahi La Abarrahu. It is possible that the disheveled person who is repelled or turned away from the doors, if he was to swear by Allah, Allah will answer him. Allah will make what he is swearing by to be. So the description here, the person is, he's disheveled, his hair is disheveled. Another narration, كَمْ مِنْ أَشْأَثْ أَكْبَرُ لَوْ أَقْسَمَ عَلَى اللَّهِ لَأَبَرَّهُ how many from amongst those who are disheveled and have the appearance of being destitute that if the person was to swear by Allah that Allah will make that which he swear by to be. Another narration, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he mentioned فَإِنَّمَا Indeed, you are you are provided for and you are aided by way of your weak people. Meaning the poor. Those who are weak, those who don't have, Allah aids us and supports us because of them. And this is why it's important not to uh, look down upon the poor people and the weak people in the community. Allah, Allah provides for us because of them. And Allah aids and supports us because of the weak and the poor Muslims. So don't look down upon them and hold them in content and push them and run them away. Perhaps if we treat the poor people and the weak people amongst us in a bad manner, this will cause our risk to come to a hold and the aid from Allah will not come to us because of how we treat the poor and the weak people. That it includes weak children, women, old people, poor. Poor is included in the weak. Nam. They don't have financial strength and stability. 
And when a person is poor, doesn't have food. Don't have food, physically weak. Then you have the matter of the raising of the hands. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned, إِنَّ رَبَّكُمْ حَيٌّ أُحَيِّهُنْ كَرِيمٌ يَسْتَحِي مِنْ عَبْدِهِ إِذَا رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ إِلَيْهِ أَنْ يُرُدَّهُمَا سِفْرًا Indeed, your Lord is shy. Allah is shy. And he is generous. And he is shy Allah is shy from his servant as it relates to the servant raising his hands and he Allah does it, he returns him back with nothing. Allah is shy and he Allah he doesn't want that a servant raises his hands and said and calls upon him and then Allah doesn't give him nothing. Allah is shy from that. The shahid here was mentioned he raises his hands. So one of the things that cause a person's dua to be answered is to raise your hands. And the Prophet ﷺ, he raised his hands in different situations. One of the situations is during the time when he prayed for rain. The Prophet ﷺ, he raised his hands. And he raised his hands up so much that he was able to see his armpits. You know, this is because it was a great need for, for, for the rain. Nam. Also, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he raised his finger on the member, making dua with it. And it's not for the khatib on the day of Jumu'ah to raise his hands on the member. But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He raised his finger And there is a narration here On the authority Of Umara Ibn Ru'ayba Lama ra'a Bishra Ibn Marwan Ala mimba Rafi'an yaday Faqala Qabbahallahu hatain al-yadain Laqad ra'aytu Rasulallahi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam ما يزيد على أن يقول بحاده حكذا وأشار بإسبعه المسبحة والمعنى أنه يشرع الإشارة بإسبع في الخطبة الجمعة كما كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يصنع So Umar, he seen Bishr ibn Marwan raise his hands on the member and this is during the khutbah of Jumu'ah so he said to him, may Allah disfigure these two hands. Indeed, I seen the messenger of Allah not add to this. And then he raised up the pointing finger. And the prophet would make dua like this on the member. He raised the fingers. So a person should not add to what the prophet did. But this is the raising of the hand, meaning the finger here. Also, the prophet said, Allah Alayhi wasallam, he mentioned here 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is generous and he is shy not to answer the servant when he raises his hands up to him and return him back with nothing. So the scholars, they extract from this narration that raising the hands in dua is legislated. It's legislated generally. But for a person to make it a specific time to raise their hands without any proof, this is not allowed. This is not allowed. Generally speaking, raising the hands in dua is legislated. But to say now, this is you have to raise your hands now. You can't do that unless you have a text. But the general text is, yes, you can raise your hands. And this is why you find... If you don't raise your hands, you can still make dua. Raising the hands is not a condition uh, for the dua to be accepted, but it's one of the things that will aid the dua. Uh, it will, yes, like support it or aid it to be accepted. Like calling upon Allah by Al-Hayyu Al-Qayyum. Mentioning those two names will aid your dua to be accepted. Um... From the mannerisms of du'a, first, before you start saying, oh Allah, give me, start off by praising Allah. Right? Alhamdulillah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, subhanallah, wa bihamdi, subhanallah, al-azim, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Start off by praising Allah first, and then sending salat and salam upon the Prophet. This is from the mannerisms of du'a. And then after that you ask for what you need. That's, the, that's the, the adab of making dua. That will aid your dua to be answered. That doesn't mean now if you just go straight into the dua, it's not going to be answered. But if you follow those mannerisms, your dua more so will be answered. So, you know, there are things that uh, are legislated, doesn't mean it's obligated. You know, just because something is legislated doesn't mean it's obligated. But the point of the shahid, barakallah fikum, is that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the example of the man that's raising his hands. How much? Okay. The example of the man that's raising his hands up and he's calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seeking the aid and the help from Allah. And calling upon him, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. If you notice in the Quran, when Allah Azza wa Jal mentions the du'as of the prophets and messengers, you see that the prophets and messengers use the word Rabb. And the scholars mention the reason behind that is because Allah is the cultivator. Allah is the Rabb, yani he cultivates, you Rabbi. And when the prophets and messengers called upon Allah, they called upon Allah by that name and attribute, that entails cultivation upon Iman. Right? Cultivation upon Iman. So you have uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam as an example. وَجْنُبَنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ رَبِّ إِنَّهُنَّ يعني رَبِّ كَثِيرًا مِنَ النَّاسِ Keep me and my children away from worshipping the idols. Oh my Lord, indeed they have led many of the people astray. Right? 
You see in the Quran, Rabbana atina fid dunya. The word Lord is used. So you see throughout the Quran, Lord is used. Right? And Allah answered the du'as when the people call upon him by my Lord, or oh, oh, our Lord. But as the Prophet mentioned, Mat'amuhu haram wa mashrabuhu haram wa malbasuhu haram wa ghudhiya bil haram. But his food is haram, his drink is haram, his clothing is haram, and he is nourished by the haram. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned, إِنَّهُ لَا يَرْبُ لَحْمٌ نَبَتَ مِنْ سُحْتٍ إِلَّا كَانَتِ النَّارِ أَوْلَى بِهِ The Prophet ﷺ said, There is no flesh that is nourished and grows off of the haram or that which is prohibited except that the hellfire has more rights to it. When a person's flesh a person's body is being nourished from that which is haram, the hellfire has more rights to that person's body than paradise. Anar, as the Prophet said, Anar Olabihi, meaning he has more right to be punished than going to paradise. So, this matter of eating haram and drinking haram and wearing haram and being nourished from the haram is a serious affair. Don't take this lightly. So it's very important the individual should strive to only consume that which is halal, that he knows is halal, and that his earnings are halal. And he should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The scholars they say, وَالَّذِي يَظْهَرْ أَنَّهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ تَائِبًا بَلْ مُسِرٌ عَلَى الْمَعْسِيَةِ What's apparent from the narration is that the person that the Prophet is speaking about here, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is a person who did not repent, but the person who is continuous upon the acts of disobedience. And it says, When Nabi Arada at Tamthir Lidalik, Walakin Mantaba wa Anaba wa Atabihadihil Asbab, Fuhua ala Khairin Adim. However, he says the Prophet ﷺ was given an example here for that. And whoever repents and turns back to Allah and he comes with these uh, means, then he is upon magnificent good, meaning because of his tawbah. <coughs> Naam. He is upon to, because of his tawbah and because of him having the five matters that's mentioned. Traveling. Hair disheveled, poor parents, raising the hands, calling upon Allah by His Lordship. وَقَدْ ذَهَبَ جَمْهُورُ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ إلَى أَنَّ أَكْلَ الْحَرَامِ سَبَبٌ فِي مَنْعِ الدُّعَاءِ وَذَهَبَ آخَرُونَ إلَى أَنَّهُ قَدْ يَمْنَعُ وَقَدْ لَا يَمْنَعُ لِأَنَّ لِأَنَّهُ لَيْسَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ أَنَّهُ لَا يُسْتَجَابُ لَهُ إِنَّمَا فِيهِ إِسْتِبْعَادٌ وَإِذَا دَعَ الْعَبْدُ رَبَّهُ مُتَضَرِّعًا مَعَ شِدَّةِ الْإِسْتِكَانَ فَهُوَ حَرِيٌّ بِأَنْ يُجَابُ قال الله تعالى أَمَّنْ يُجِيبُ الْمُضَّرُ إِذَا دَعَى So the scholars they say, or the majority of the scholars, they hold that eating haram is a reason to cause a person's dua not to be answered. Eating haram. 
And other scholars, they say, it may cause the dua not to be answered. It may not cause the dua not to be answered. And that is because it is not mentioned in the hadith yani, with clear wording that the dua is not answered because of the eating of the haram. Rather, what is mentioned is that it's far-fetched that his dua will be answered because he's eating the haram and not for surety. Right, ahsan. Because it says, how can he be answered for that when all of these things is haram? How does he expect to be answered when all of these things are haram? So if the servant calls upon his Lord displaying need, showing that he uh, is like he's without and he's poor and in need of Allah, then more than likely he's going to be answered. In Allah, he mentions, who is the one who answers the one in need when he calls upon his Lord? So Allah mentions that when a servant is in need, Allah answers him. And also the scholars use as a proof that it's possible that the person who is eating haram and drinking haram, his dua can be answered, is the hadith, da'watul madlum mustajaba wa in kana fajiran fafujuruhu ala nafsihi that the dua of the oppressed person is answered even if he is a criminal. His, his corruption is upon himself. So even if he's a criminal, it could mean what? Huh? He's Muslim, but how is this a proof that the dua of a person who eats and drinks haram and wears haram can be answered? How is this a proof for that? No, 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 no. The, qu the question is, how is this hadith a proof that it is possible for one who eats haram, drinks haram, and wears haram, and is nourished from the haram, that his dua can be answered? How is this narration a proof of that? Huh? That's not the angle of the proof, yes. Okay, but how is this a proof that a... Because we just covered two positions. Listen, I'm, I'm going to clarify. for you. So, we just covered two positions. The majority of the scholars say eating haram... Is, will cause your dua not to be answered. Then you have a group say, it may cause it not to be answered, and the person may be answered. Okay, hold on. Now, those who say that it will cause your dua not to be answered, the majority, that's it. Won't you? Dua will not be answered. But those who say maybe, they say the proof that his dua may be answered is the hadith. The dua of the oppressed person is answered even if he is a criminal and his corruption is upon him. But what's the angle of that the person who eat haram, his dua may be still answered? Because he's an oppressed person. Huh? That's the point. The point here is we're in kind of fajiran, even if he's a criminal. A criminal could be one who's eating haram, drinking haram, wearing haram, stealing, and the likes, right? He's doing haram things. 
But still Allah answered his dua because of him being oppressed. So his corruption didn't stop the dua from being answered. You see that point here? That's the aim. Uh huh. Uh huh. Even if he's, because he's a, because even if he's a criminal. That's right. Right. So now that shows that if a person eat haram and drink haram and wears haram, it's still possible for his dua to be answered from the angle that's mentioned here in the narration. Wallahu alam. Wa subhanaka Allahumma hamdika shadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu. Jazakumullah khairan.